from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. And that's right, it's time for Jersey Jump Shot. We're talking college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome back to another season of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino and Steve Edelson. Chris Eisman will join us later on. Guys, our fourth season of Jersey Jump Shot, our senior year, but I think we have plenty of more eligibility left, so please don't fret. We have a great season planned for you, and no better time to start our season than with what we have coming up on Sunday. Of course, it is Rutgers and Seton Hall, so we're going to kick off our season with a closer look at that big matchup. We have an awesome interview coming your way as well, so be sure to listen to that. Great show coming up. We're going to touch on a lot of the teams in New Jersey. But, of course, Jerry, we got to start with Rutgers and Seton Hall. Rutgers 6-2 and two overall, coming off a huge win over Indiana. The Rutgers faithful chanting, who's your daddy? Very clever for <laughs> you Rutgers students there. It's it's a great academic school, and it showed off with that clever chant there uh, with the win over Indiana. Seton Hall searching for themselves a little bit. They're 4-4 four and four overall before they play each other. Rutgers... Uh, no walk in the park. They're at Ohio State on Thursday. Ohio State 6-2. and two. They spent some time in the top 25. Lincoln University is on the schedule for Seton Hall on Wednesday. But as you look at these teams and you look ahead to Sunday, Jerry, let's get us started. We have a great start to our program, a great start to our podcast with this game coming up on our schedule. It's so good to be back. Put the singlet on. Strap on the high tops. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I will start by saying... I want to start with a caution for everybody because it is a long and winding season. This isn't college football season or the NFL where it's a sprint and like every week is life and death. This time last year when we started our podcast segment for, for the last season, Seton Hall was flying high and Rutgers was in the dirt. And they basically wound up in the same place at the end of the postseason, at the end of the year, you know, with a first round opening weekend NCAA tournament appearance and exit. So you don't know what's going to happen, but yes, at the moment, Rutgers is coming off an enormous win, but not really a surprise. I mean, if you've been paying attention, you know Rutgers has Indiana's number. And look, it's one thing to watch it on TV. When you're there, you can see the body language. Indiana didn't want to be there. They didn't want to stick their nose in it. They, they got a lot of talent on that team. They just don't have the guts or physicality or will that Rutgers has especially in that building, but really anywhere when you look at the past couple of years, it's just an epic mismatch of will and toughness when these programs meet. So although it is beating a top 10 team in your building is an enormous achievement and Rutgers was phenomenal defensively, I just can't help but think like Rutgers is going to beat this team if they play on the moon. I mean, I don't care what Indiana's ranked, who they have, play the game on Mars, play it in Mike Woodson's living room. I don't care. Rutgers is beating Indiana, so a good win for them. The first time they had their full team together because Paul Mulcahy and Kayla McConnell had been hurt and missed much of the season early on, a great sign for them. Flip it to Seton Hall. Seton Hall is coming off three straight losses. It's been a rough go for the Pirates. Like You can't really judge them getting run out of the building at Kansas. That's an impossible spot. Seton Hall's down two guys, Dre Davis, who has a knee injury. I do expect him to be back soon, quite possibly for the Rutgers game You know, uh, on Sunday. Uh Alexis Yetna has a knee injury, big guy who he'll be out longer. I think there's a good chance he comes back in early January. So these are two forwards, Seton Hall small inside. Combine the, the injuries with the transitional nature of the season, entirely new coaching staff, uh, five, five transfers in, three freshmen coming in. 
a lot of new, and there's a lot to sort out for the Pirates. So I think you're seeing growing pains, which we kind of had cautioned everybody about, about in the preseason. There are growing pains. And again, college basketball, a lot of twists and turns, and it could change on a dime Sunday when they meet, although beating Rutgers in that building is a tall order, Steve. Well, you know, and I, I think – the, the biggest thing, and there are so many great storylines surrounding this game, but this game has become such a part of the New Jersey basketball fabric now. You know, it, it, it really has such juice now, and it doesn't even matter how either of the teams are doing. You know, the place is going to be chaotic. You know, there, there's going to be great plays on both sides. And I, I just think it is like the official start of the basketball season in, in New Jersey anymore is when these two teams play. And I think I'll, I'll analyze this later in the week more, but just off the top of my head, again, Rutgers still has to play Ohio State. Seton Hall has a game against D2 Lincoln. But off the top of my head, look, Seton Hall, Rutgers is probably 10 points better than Seton Hall right now, especially in that building. Uh, but crazy things happen in these rivalries, and the pressure will be on Rutgers on Sunday, okay? The pressure will be on them to hold serve. The visiting team has not won in this series in six years. So since 2016. So uh, the pressure will be on Rutgers Seton Hall, although they really could use the win with their for their resume, uh, I don't think anyone is reasonably expecting them to win this game. So, so they have a chance to maybe you know be that dog and feed on that that underdog like no one believes in this mentality. We'll see. Anything could happen, but yes, and anything has happened, which is what makes this series fun. But yeah, it's been a pretty wild turn of events so far, and I do think what you have. You have two teams that you know once it comes together for Seton Hall, you have two teams with a lot of potential by February or March, by the end of the season to maybe do some damage. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, with Rutgers coming up with that game at Ohio state, you know, that's certainly a game you can't look past. If you're looking ahead to the rivalry, that's a game on the road against a good team that looks good, not only in big 10 standings, but when it comes time for tournament time and you're building your resume, a win on the road at Ohio state, that that's a nice looking win as of right now, at least. So it's certainly, you know, an interesting thing to throw into the mix here when you have this big rivalry coming up and right. everyone in New Jersey is excited to watch this game. They got to take care of business in order to get to that game. Well, I don't even know if it's taking care of business because Ohio state will be deservedly favored in that game. Like I think, mm -hmm. it, I think taking care of business would be Ohio state's job in this game. Uh, you know, Rutgers doesn't have a road or neutral win. Right. So like they went, they're 0 and 2 in road and neutrals. So, you know, this could help them too. Yeah, but they got to do it first. And Ohio State's pretty good. It's a tough spot. You're right, because of the way, the way it's sandwiched in the schedule. Well, I think that's why this is an intriguing game for Rutgers, because you, you get the sense, are we going down that path we've been down the last few years, where Rutgers is unbeatable at home and below average on the road? You know, you, it, I mean, you lost in Uncasville. You lost in Coral Gables. Now you got to go to another tough place. Uh, so... You know, again, these these road games behind the scenes are, are going to be important and they're going to be important, important games, you know, as you get late in the season and you're building your resume. So, right. And although Rutgers, did, they did play somewhat better on the road last year as opposed to previous years. I don't think it's a Steve Peichel thing or a systemic thing. Two things about that. One is it's very hard to win on the road in college basketball. Two is I've said this before. The rack is like a drug. Jersey Mike's arena is like a drug. And when Rutgers doesn't have that drug, you see a drop-off a lot of times in energy or focus. Uh, that's going back to Gary Waters, okay? Uh, as long as I've been watching his team closely, this has been the case, really. I mean, when, the, when Rutgers has been good, the disparity between their play at home and the road is, has been huge. So that's maybe part of having an arena of that caliber. So, But that is going to certainly make for a wild atmosphere on Sunday for sure. Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, you have Seton Hall, as you said, Jerry, taking on a Division II school. 
more or less a tune-up game for this this um, this rivalry. It's an opportunity for a team that's you know still trying to find themselves. Obviously, we know what Shaheen Holloway is capable of, but he's trying to get his system up and running at Seton Hall. You know, it's it's an opportunity for them to sort of iron out some of the wrinkles that we've seen from them early on in the season as they get ready for this Rutgers game. And I'm not a fan of a Division One, especially a high major, scheduling a sub D1. But I, what I'll say is Seton Hall does need the tune-up. I mean, they do. They're home now. They'll be home for a while. Home is in like in the state of New Jersey, mm-hmm. and you know they they could they need this time at home to get things right, get things settled, find, forge an identity. And if, if if playing a Division two game helps them do that some, take a step forward, then it will be worth it. Even though generally I don't like it, maybe this will have worked out for them scheduling wise. But they certainly come into this; they'll certainly go into Sunday's game like less less taxed than Rutgers playing at Ohio State. That is true. Of course, we're very excited for this. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a great interview that we're going to play for you now, Jerry. I'll let you set it up because uh, this is a guy that I'm sure Rutgers and Seton Hall fans are very familiar with. They will be familiar with him if they're not by the end of the day Sunday because he will be broadcasting the game for Fox. Uh, tell us a little bit about our guest today. Our inaugural guest on the uh, 2022-2023 taping of the Jersey Jump Shot podcast. You hear him doing play-by-play on Fox and Fox Sports 1. He's the host of the Big East Shootaround and a regular on the Field of 68 podcast. He's the MC for Friday's annual Rutgers-Seton Hall pregame banquet, and we'll have the play-by-play call alongside Jim Spinarkle for Sunday's Garden State Hardwood Classic between the Scarlet Knights and the Pirates. All of this by the age of 27. Most importantly, I have bestowed upon him the title of Honorary New Jerseyan. Welcome, John Fanta, to Jersey Jump Shot. Well, that is the greatest introduction I will ever get. So close down the shop. The party is over because that right there is how you start off Jersey Jump Shot. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Steve, for having me. It's great to be with both of you guys on such a momentous week. One of the It's the week that we live for. That's right. And so, John, you, you are well-traveled. You, you can be seen and heard everywhere, but this is home for you. This is Jersey. And I want to start by asking you, the when you when you get the word that you're doing this Rutgers Seton Hall game Sunday, how does that word come down? Do you get a call, an email? Have you asked for it? And what was your immediate reaction when you heard you were going to be on this call? I have staying power to to maybe get an extra slice at a Jersey Deli. <laughs> I don't have staying power to ask for assignments uh, at 27. <laughs> Having said this. Uh, it was actually an introductory call with my bosses, my boss at Fox, who assigns me games. And we were talking about different games on the schedule and just how much we were looking forward to the season. And he dropped that in there. He dropped that in that, that you know, we're, we're going to have you do Seton Hall and Rutgers. And it, it jutted out to me right away because the game this year is in Piscataway, and I think the Jersey Mike's Arena, what will always be the rack, is one of the best atmospheres in college basketball, and I think it, it adds a different dimension to the rivalry when, when the game is held in Piscataway, just because of that crowd, that, that trapezoid of terror for visitors. So for me, my reaction was I had chills, instantly had goosebumps, instantly paused and, and thought to myself, wow. Wow, because I've watched so many of these now that 
it never was a thought in my head, oh, I'm going to be at the at the table broadcasting this game in X amount of years. It's, it's, it's our industry, Jerry and Steve. Everyone, I'm sure you guys heard it plenty of times. What's your three- or five-year plan? I don't know what I'm doing in three hours. <laughs> oh, we know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, nor, nor alone what we're doing in three to five years. So it's, it's one of those things where it came unexpected. It's very humbling to be asked to do the game because I know what the game means to so many people. And New Jersey's uh, an area rich in college basketball. So it is. It's it's really, really humbling, and it's really special to be on this game. And on a Sunday evening, I fully expect these two teams to, to showcase what the state's all about. But I think it's one of the best non-conference games that our Fox Sports family and networks have because it it is college basketball. We talk about a lot of schools that – Football's the priority, guys, and now we're a lot of the casual fans are starting to turn the page to college hoops. And for Rutgers and Seton Hall, it's full. It's full on basketball. It's full no gas. And once this game is played, it takes off. You know, John, you you have become such a big part of New Jersey basketball, and, and to hear you talk about it with such passion, I'm just curious. How does a kid from Ohio land at Seton Hall? Yeah, it's a great question, Steve. And the answer to it is really amazing in my opinion because I went to St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. Uh, some may know names like Brian Hoyer, the, the NFL quarterback, LaCharles Bentley, who ended up at Ohio State, his career ended, and a, and a guy by the name of Chuck Kyle, who was a legendary high school football coach. And he just retired this year. And I got done with my sophomore year of football, I was a third string, if not fourth string left guard. I was a third string left guard on a good day. <laughs> and and coach called me into his office for our postseason meeting uh, slash evaluation. There wasn't much to evaluate because for to evaluate, you would have to get on the field. <laughs> and, and he said to me, you know, John, he goes, you're great. You know, you're a good kid, but you really talk well about the game. In other words, you don't play it well. Uh, <laughs> what about what about? But you know the game because you you have played it a little bit. You've played some football. And he said to me, "Why don't you try this broadcasting thing out? Why don't you try this broadcasting thing out? In other words, stop pulling the sled and put on a microphone." And and that is what led me really to taking broadcasting as a passion. So I broadcasted a bunch of games in high school, and that's what I wanted to do. It was it was always a dream growing up in Cleveland. For me, once I once I got done, once I was in my junior year of high school, starting to think about colleges, Steve and Jerry, I wanted to get to the metropolitan area. I didn't want to stay in Ohio forever because I knew if I got to the metropolitan area, opportunity could knock. And I went to Syracuse. I went to Fordham. I went to St. John's. I went to St. Bonaventure. I checked out different journalism schools. My college counselor in the spring of my junior year, I beg your pardon, in the fall of my senior year, in the fall of my senior year, my college counselor is meeting with me. I was about to go on a college tour to Fordham, Syracuse, and St. Bonaventure. And she says to me, while you're out there taking a look, if you have some time, there's this Seton Hill University that you should take a look at. 
She hands me a brochure and I look at it and I go, you mean Seton Hall? <laughs> she, goes, oh. she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Seton Hall. She goes, they claim that they have a broadcasting program. I don't know much about it, but, you know, maybe you should take a look. You talked about, you know, maybe going to a private school uh, because I, I, I've been raised on Catholic education all my life. So I said, okay, I'll take a look. Went out to South Orange, had gone to a bunch of different places, as I told you guys, and there was something about the people. There was something about the place, and I'll never forget, my dad came with me on the tour, and I was walking around, and I was thinking to myself, man, they, they don't have football, and and I wonder what that would, would mean. But I, I got swayed by two things, the people, and second, my dad kept saying to me, you know, you broadcasting at, at all these different schools or or whatnot. You know, th- this this is Madison Square Garden. This is the Big East. This is the potentials there. The potentials there. Good advice. And he saw it before I did. And guys, wouldn't you know it, my freshman and sophomore years, the program, I was there 2013, 14, 14, 15. The program was going downhill. And I saw rise from the basement to winning a Big East tournament championship during my four years, which always helps as well. There was there's a reason we're all in a certain place, and for me, that's how I ended up at Seton Hall, and and that's how it all really took off. You you got to get a little bit lucky to be able to get some attention. And during my time at Seton Hall, the program, the men's and women's basketball programs, both ascended, and I was able to cover them on their ascent. There you go. And let's give a shout-out to Tom Chen, the uh, Seton Hall administrator who runs Pirate Sports Network, mentors a lot of students, you being the poster child, John. I meant to ask you, I, I have never asked you this question. We know of your a passion for Cleveland pro sports. Who was your college team growing up? Was it Ohio State? You know, here's the thing. I got so turned off by Ohio State fans. <laughs> <laughs> And I've never really said that publicly, so there you go. So, All right. But but you know what? I, I do I like to see the Buckeyes do well because I have a good amount of buddies who are Ohio State fans, so I, I'm happy for them. But my grandpa was a guy by the name of John Coglin. So that meant Saturdays at 2.30 on NBC because the games were on at 2.30 when I was growing up. Notre Dame was on. There you go. For me, my high school years was – and, and excuse me, my late grade school years and high school years was Brady Quinn and Notre Dame and oh. that USC epic. So so for me, it was a lot of Buckeyes and Irish growing up. But okay. I, I, I didn't have this – I didn't have this strong affiliation with college football being from Cleveland. Right. I, I, I didn't okay. – which probably helped it, me say, ah, you know what, I'm okay without the football. And – and here's the funny thing, guys. My freshman year, you know, when I'm choosing this basketball school, was the first year of the reconfigured Big East Conference. Oh, there you go. You came in together with the new league. When the Big East said, we're going to choose basketball, too. Great timing. I have another question for you. You mentioned uh, the rack and the atmosphere there, and we all know about it. In an arena with excessive noise, how does that impact or enhance your call of a game? It makes everything. Everything. And a, a great atmosphere makes your life easy because when Caleb McConnell makes a play Sunday night, all I have to say with enthusiasm is McConnell. 
And there's nothing I could say after that that would do anybody any good other than me talking over that bandbox go crazy. And that atmosphere tells the story. I don't need to tell you what happened. So it it the atmospheres in games give a play-by-play guy such an ease because you know you can lay out. And when you know you can lay out, I've never gotten in trouble for not talking. <laughs> I've, never gotten, I've never gotten in trouble for shutting up. And so for me, that that on Sunday night, it's it's going to be such a, a, a thrill to have that noise. And I, I dealt with it some last year with certain calls. And this one will, I think, be the, the epitome of that. So to answer your question, it does everything. It changes the whole broadcast. Because here's the thing, guys. This week, as I talked to you, Wednesday night, I have Manhattan at Providence. On Saturday, I have Long Island at UConn. And the fact is, when we reach the second half of those games, if the games start to get out of hand, Steve and Jerry, then for a play-by-play guy and for an analyst, we have to figure out ways to keep the person watching interested. But that also means we've got to say more, which frankly makes for just more happening as opposed to on Sunday, we're not going to have to be searching for, for dead air time. There won't be any in this game. There's never been a dull moment in Seton Hall Rutgers, and it's not going to start on Sunday. Who knows what we're going to get? Uh, ain't that the truth? What What are your What are your most vivid memories? And there are so many of them from that first Seton Hall Rutgers game you went to back in 2013-14. So, yeah. Well, my first memory was being on a a yellow school bus for the first time in what felt like forever. Cause that's what they got us from South orange to, to Piscataway. And I remember us driving up to the rack and I'm looking at the building and I'm thinking, is this a, a like a plumbing facility or a, <laughs> a metal plating equipment facility? What is going on in this building? Oh, Oh, this is one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. Then I walked in and the place smelled of popcorn and smelled of college basketball. And the hoop heads know what that smells like. Oh, yeah. And I thought to myself, this place is cool. This place is cool. And this place is their place. That's great. Two things, John, about that story. One is, there, I don't think there's any more student buses going now because you cannot get you cannot get a ticket to these games. And and two is uh, tough to drink beer on a on a yellow school bus, man. No bathrooms. You're rolling the dice with the traffic with that one. Those yeah, days are, those I'm, days are over for us, buddy. I'm gonna tell you, I'd be lying if I said I I don't. I think I I specifically recall a. A student or two before the trip back to South Orange uh, doing something that wasn't necessarily right in terms of using the restroom on the state parking lot. But oh, yeah, that's, that's happened. That's happened a million times, I'm sure. I'm sure it has. But yeah, you can't. No, there, there won't be any student buses on Sunday night. But that was at a point where honestly, honestly, I, I remember the, the intros coming up and everything happening. 
And it felt like the rivalry needed juice back into it because the teams were in different leagues. And I thought Rutgers in the particular game, I was like, man, they play in such a tough building. But on that night, it didn't feel like they had a, a particular identity. And and Seton Hall was shorthanded but still won the game. And I remember, right. thinking, I remember thinking, this has to sting for Rutgers. And the whole time that that happened, and then Seton Hall ended up kind of going on an ascent with Isaiah Whitehead and company, you know, the, the question was always, will Rutgers ever get good? And the moment that they hired Steve Peichel, for me, was the moment that changed changed everything from my vantage point because – it really, it really did. But that first game, seeing that rivalry on hand, it was kind of meant to be that the first time I saw it was in Piscataway. It was, it was so cool. And, and it instantly said to me, these people care about their college basketball. And that's something I want to be a part of. Now you mentioned Steve Peichel. And we know like the Seton Hall history, the backstory, the people is that's in your DNA, but you have made an effort to get to know Steve Peichel long before you, you, know, you got the assignment for this broadcast. Uh, you've interviewed him on podcasts. You've come to his games just as an observer. Uh, what has prompted you to do that, John? Is it is it because like you knew you might someday be doing this, or did you, as a New Jerseyan who loves college basketball, or you know what got you into following Steve and his program so closely? A combination of both. If I can get to a game locally and it makes sense, then I'm going to try to do everything I can to get there. And and for me, Steve makes it easy for you to cover him. And I think that there's something to be said about that. He took over Rutgers during a time when the basketball program needed leadership, needed accountability, and needed somebody who could get the fan base in a better place. And he's done all that. When I talk to people across the country, nationally, all over the place, I was down in Texas last week, and we were talking about what I had coming up. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got I've got Rutgers and Seton Hall, but I said, uh, got Rutgers. And they said, well, where's the game? I said, Piscataway. They go, oh, you know, I've never want to play there. And and Peichel's done a great job there. I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Steve Peichel. So for right. me, for me, I, when when Rutgers started to just show signs that they were that they were heading in the right direction, I, I thought to myself, I need to see this in person myself and 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 let's start covering this story. Let's, let's start looking at this story. And, and it was a combination of a couple of things. It was one, knowing that around the NCAA tournament, I do a lot of things for the field of 68, among other things. So we do a lot of interviews with coaches and players. You want to establish a relationship with a program. You want to be able to, to get seen so that if you ever ask for an interview, they have a little bit of familiarity with you. Two, they're in New Jersey. I now live in New Jersey. I call New Jersey home. And 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 so Budin, baby, Morris County. Yeah, Budin, Budin. Uh I, I call New Jersey home. And for me, Rutgers Rise has been great for New Jersey. And I want to be covering that and telling that story. And it has been. They're, what they have achieved, what they have achieved here in recent years is truly special. This is a special age of Rutgers basketball. And so I know where I've got a degree from. And I know that people will remind me of that both this week and on Sunday night. No oh, yeah. And me too, by the way. <laughs> no matter what I say, having said this, what they have done as a program should be recognized and, and has gotten recognized by me. And credit to Steve because he has been not just a great coach, but I think he's been a great person for this state in what he's done with the program. He does it the right 
way. 2022, those people are getting harder and harder to find. That's, that's a good point. Uh, John, you you saw Kevin Willard uh, build Seton Hall up from scratch, uh, hands the program off to Shaheen Holloway, who you know so well, and you called some of his games at St. Peter's too. Uh, what do you think of this transition? I know some Seton Hall fans are down. They're not used to seeing their team in this position. What would you say to them, and what would you say about the transition period that the Pirates are undergoing right now? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath because the reactions, while understood because you've had such consistent winning, when you make a change, not many people take change well. Uh, and, and the folks of New Jersey will let you know about it as well. Uh, so, and that's, that's what's happened here a little bit, but, but folks and, and the Seton Hall followers out there that are stressing, that are upset, that are angry, there's a lot of new on this roster. Blending old and new is a challenge. Nothing happens easily. The schedule certainly is not a forgiving one. I would like to think Seton Hall will be better off than some others who have not scheduled as, as well particularly in the Big East Conference, and we'll see if they can grow from this. But understand this. Right now, this team is is not an NCAA tournament team, and they have not played like it thus far. You wonder if they'll what how much better they'll get. I think they will get better. Because right, I, me too. I think Shaheen Holloway is that type of coach, and I don't think there's any way that they could be shooting the basketball more poorly. But I want to be I want to follow up with this. I'm seeing a lot of Seton Hall followers out there targeting NIL as the reason why these struggles are happening and the reason why recruiting is struggling as well. And I would counter to that and say for Rutgers, Seton Hall, for programs in New Jersey with everything happening and and the name, image, and likeness holdups there, NIL is now a factor in college basketball. It is not the sole determinant of whether you're winning or losing games. It's not. It's not. It's playing a factor. It's adding circumstances. It does not replace heart. It does not replace will to win. It does not replace home court advantages. It does not replace coaching. Coaching. You might be great at getting NIL. It doesn't mean you know how to draw up a play late in the game. And I know hmm. this much. Shaheen Holloway and Steve Peichel know how to do that. And they're going to know how to grow a team from November to March. So to the Seton Hall follower who's saying NIL has caused all this, stop yourself, have some Capicola, drink a glass of water. Govagool, Johnny! Govagool! And move on to the next game because you're overreacting and saying the sky is falling is out of control. You're saying the sky is falling because they've lost a couple of games and you forgot that they beat Michigan last year. And that just doesn't happen every day for Seton Hall Hoops. It doesn't. Some good perspective from a man whose name, image, and likeness is on the rise. Steve, did you have one more quick question for John before we bid him farewell? No, I think we're good. I mean, it has been, uh, it, it's been our best interview so far, I can tell you that, on, on our podcast. What a way to tip off the podcast season. John, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you at the Banquet Friday in Nutley. And then, of course, at the rack on Sunday. Thank you very much, my friend, and congrats on getting this call. Who knows what we're in for? Exactly. Get your helmet on. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
And again, thanks to John Fanta for stopping by the show. Uh, if you're not fired up about this game already, to hear even the broadcasters excited about this, excited to be a part of this atmosphere. Check your pulse. Check it, your pulse. It's just infectious. It is. I mean, if you're a New Jersey college basketball fan, you know these players. The players know each other. You know these programs. It really is, you know, to see someone come from out of state and, and really embrace this rivalry and, and be a part of this rivalry, that's what Rutgers Seton Hall is. And when you look ahead to Sunday, Jerry, we'll do some predictions now. Why not? How do you see this one shaking out, and what are you looking for on Sunday? Again, I reserve the right to change this later in the week as I really break it down and see what happens with Rutgers at Ohio State. But at the moment, I think I think Rutgers is, is a solid 8-10 to 10 point favorite. It's going to be low scoring. It's the way these teams are. Uh, you know, I'm going to say I like Rutgers. I'm going to pick them by, you know, eight eight points. Rutgers to win by eight. And I'll, I'll get more into the score later. But off the top of my head, that's what I foresee. Steve, how about you? You know, it's interesting. Yes, Rutgers, really tough place to play. You know, playing well there. We've seen that. But at some point, Shaheen Holloway is going to start getting through to his guys. And I think you're going to to see that when you start seeing that Shaheen Holloway defense, which you haven't really seen from Seton Hall yet, where they really buy into that stifling kind of defense. And maybe it's this weekend. Um, you know, in a one game situation, listen, I, I think Shaheen Holloway has a puncher's chance. So up, I'm going to take Seton Hall for the upset in this one. Oh, wow. wow. There you go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I will say this, Steve. I do think that Seton Hall will take that leap forward, like with that defense and that identity at some point this season. I just don't think they're ready yet. But if they if they show that they're ready on Sunday, that will be a huge thing, obviously. Yeah, and I agree, Jerry. I think Rutgers wins this game, but like Steve said, I think Shaheen Holloway, he will be ready and he will have his team ready. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, You know, maybe 10 points at the most with Rutgers pulling away late, but I think he'll have his team up and ready for this because he knows all about this rivalry as well. So I I certainly like seeing Hall to hang with Rutgers. It won't be a blowout. It will be good for the fans. It'll be a nice, exciting back-and-forth game, I predict. But uh, in the end, I think Rutgers will have enough to to get past Seton Hall in this year's. I was in the in 2000, Seton Holloway's senior year. Uh, they won in I think double overtime at the rack. I was in the 300 level as a civilian. My winter jacket was stuffed with airplane bottles of booze. Oh, Jerry! <laughs> my, that, sitting amidst the sitting amidst my Rutgers graduate friends. And so, yes, Shaheen Holloway, it's a long, been a long time, but he does know how to win there. You can admit that the statue of limitations, I think, is over. So I think you're, you're clear to admit that on the air here for the, for the podcast. But we're looking Thank you. That makes Monday. me feel better. 6.30 start for the game. Perfect timing, too. Get your football fix in the morning. Get your World Cup fix, whatever you got to do, and then get ready for that game right around dinner time. A lot of other teams that we want to touch on in the Garden State. And why don't we start with Princeton? Because they are 6-2 and two overall. They lost two straight to start the year, and you're going, you know, this might be a lost season. They were a game short of the NCAA tournament last year. They're replacing some big-time players. And then all of a sudden, they rattle off six in a row. They have Mammoth on Saturday. Mammoth, they're 1-8 overall. They finally got a win over Manhattan. And uh, King Rice calling out Ryder fans a little bit as well, Jerry. But you look at Princeton and Mammoth as they get ready to play each other. What do you see out of these two teams? So uh, I never I never was really worried about, about Princeton uh, right. I mean, again, the net came out today, the net rankings, look, you got to take them with a grain of salt in, in December, but it does, it did open my eyes at Princeton 67. That's pretty high for Ivy league school. Uh, they're good. Princeton's good. And I think that they're hosting the Ivy league tournament in March. They got, a, they got, you know, a couple of really good players, uh, a guard by the name of, uh, Matt Alaco, who, 
is shooting 42% from three-point range. I mean, the another the latest in a long line of shooters they've brought in and developed. Uh, I like Princeton a lot. They have they have a big man who's who's on the NBA's radar who can play any position. They have guards who shoot the lights out. They're really well coached. They're well disciplined. Uh, I, I, this is going to be Princeton's going to be a story for us this season, no question. And Steve will be there when when Mammoth goes in, and you know it's been quite the ride for Mammoth, Steve. Wow, wild. Wild ride. And and listen, just Mammoth getting their first win, you know, everyone can just take a deep breath now. You know, you go 0-8, and, and and against the schedule they were playing, you know, they were 0-8, losing by 30 and 40 points in some games. So with a young team, you wonder how that's going to how that's gonna impact them. But, you know, to come back with a win, I mean, it was a tough week for Mammoth. I mean, they got blown out by Ryder, 26 points in the Bronx Zoo. Um, and listen – Riders, Riders got some experienced players, but you could see after the game, King Rice, you know, it was a very chaotic post-game interview, and he 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 took aim at at the Rider players and the fans specifically. What was that um, about? Well, at halftime, uh, there was an incident where where he was walking off to go to the locker room, and apparently, someone in the in the in the crowd, right in the front row. Uh, had said something, uh, you know, about his family, wife, kids, and uh, there was a. It wasn't really a confrontation, but he 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 had the rider people. The rider people did eject the guy from the arena. Wow! But that's a second time this year he's had issues with fans. He had an issue with a fan in Virginia. So I mean, listen, when you're zero and eight, you, people are going to be yelling a lot of things at you. So. And especially at Ryder, it's it's a very chaotic gym. So that's what happens. It's like you're using chaotic as a euphemism here. But yeah. I mean, you can't listen, you can't say something. You should not say something about someone's wife and children. That should be off limits. Anything else, King's just got to have thick skin. But if, there, if that is, in fact, what happened, that is that is crossing a line, no question. Yes. And so, so again, but it, it, it was just an overall, I think uh, – this is this was the frustration building. They just could not get a win. They finally did. They're a young team. You know, they scheduled too hard uh, for this team. But the way they played at Manhattan, they they actually played very well. They were up 17 in the second half in that game. Um, listen, I, I I think they can go into into Princeton now with with some confidence. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how they do. But you know, I think once they once they get through this tough portion of the schedule, you can hopefully start to see some growth in that team. Did didn't Mammoth start out zero and ten another year, and they wound up doing pretty well in league play? Zero and twelve in eighteen nineteen, and they lost to Iona in the MAC tournament final. So okay, that's, so that's the goal, you know. I mean, listen, that team was nowhere, and they really rallied and 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 played well in the MAC. Now they're in the CAA this year, so. You know, it's going to be a tougher grind, but listen, you know, we'll see. The next few weeks will tell a lot about this team. I just want to add that uh, I really like that Mammoth and Princeton have this series, Steve. You you expect this to continue? Yeah, no, they're committed to it. I know Mammoth is, and I, and I think that they are. Yeah, well. Princeton uh, Princeton has a tough time getting games. You know, New Jersey's right. high majors treat Princeton like a leper, and it's I don't it's not right. Princeton's a good is a quality win for somebody right now, uh, and so. It's good that they're playing. I think in-state games are good. The mid-majors, they should play each other. And I'm glad that this has continued, even though Mammoth has changed conferences. I know they weren't in the same league before. But, yes, I hope that continues. Uh, and it was nice to see Seton Hall play Mammoth. 
and I'd like to see them get on Rutgers' schedule. I think it's just good for the game in New Jersey, you know, so good for them. I, I, I would love to come to that game. Uh, I'm going to, to Army-Navy to take my dad, who was a, a Navy veteran, but uh, I do I do appreciate that game, and I'll be keeping an eye on the goings-on in Jadwin, and when, I know you'll be there, so so I'm glad we're doing we're covering that. Yeah, one of three uh, New Jersey rivalry games this uh, this weekend with Monmouth and Princeton, and of course, Rutgers Seton Hall. And then another one we have coming up, NJIT and Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson, four and six overall. They just had a nice upset win over St. Joe's. They have Columbia on that? Friday. Nice win there. And then NJIT, they're one and seven overall. Uh, other schools, of course, in New Jersey, St. Peter's, they're four and four. They'll have their try at St. Joe's on Saturday. Ryder, they're three and four. They take on Stonehill on Wednesday. Uh, so as you look at some of our, our mid-majors in the Garden State, Jerry, who stands out to you? Well, FDU is good for them, man. They, I mean, they were like starting over, and Tobin Anderson comes in with a really nice resume on the D2 level. And, you know, he comes within a whisker of beating Loyola Chicago on, on the road opening night. And then he goes and beats up on St. Joe's. And I know St. Joe's is down. They're not what they were, but that's a really good win. They're, they're a live one. You know, they got a couple of really good guards. Um Dimitri Roberts comes over from from the D two level, St. Thomas Aquinas, with uh, with Tobin, and he's he's lighting it up. And uh, you know, NJIT is off to a tough start. They have a really good player in Miles Coleman, uh, forward who's having a terrific season. That's a good local game. You know, again, I'm glad they're playing. Uh, you mentioned Ryder. Steve can can speak to Dwight Murray Jr. He played well against Rutgers too. He's probably the only Ryder player who did play well against Rutgers. That guy's a player. You know, he's one of the better guards in in the state for college basketball, right, Steve? Yeah, they're going to be a factor in the MAC. I really think so. You know, they I can, mean, so I, they I know can beat Iona. You know, they, 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 you know, they listen. They got wiped out by by Rutgers, but they they're not a bad team. They have experience. You know, they got some big kids inside. They play very good defense. Um, yeah, I, again, if if you're in the MAC, I would not sleep on Ryder. And you know, I actually saw NJIT on opening night against St. Peter's. They did not look good in that game. So, you what do you think about St. Peter's? What do you think about St. Peter's? I, I thought they had potential. You know, they 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 have some. You know, they're Bashir's trying to fit everything together there. Um, you could see he had some pieces. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think they're going in the right direction. That's what I would say. Yeah. So he it's a, it's kind of like in a way uh, like a smaller version of what's going on at Seton Hall, right? A lot of exodus, a lot of new players, some holdovers, and a mostly new coaching staff. Uh, and and like like Shaheen Holloway, uh, Bashir Masons is a comp is an accomplished coach, but there's going to be some ups and downs. So like you've seen some really good play out of St. Peter's, and you've seen some clunkers so far. Like you saw them in a really good game. I saw a clunker against Seton Hall, and then we're going to beat Seton Hall, but they didn't play well against them. They've had some other good wins. They've had some other head scratching losses. It's going to be an up and down team for St. Peter's, but I do. I do think, as I said with Seton Hall, I do think St. Peter's will figure it out and be much better in February than they are now. You gotta, you gotta give time when there's so much new in these programs. Absolutely, and then you just throw in, you know, following up the follow-up act to one of the most historic NCAA tournament runs ever. Yeah, how, you can't follow that up. I mean. Yeah, how do you follow that up? And that's a tough thing to place on uh, the player's shoulders for sure. But uh, four and four, good start. And, and certainly, as Steve said, a team with potential. So we'll keep an eye on them throughout the season. And we're going to wrap up the show, too, with a look at the Seen Hall women. They had a nice win over number 24 ranked Marquette. They're six and three overall. They have Ryder on Friday, another New Jersey game there before they travel to Orlando to take on UCF on Sunday. And then the Rutgers women's basketball team, they're four and six overall. They have Illinois on Wednesday, Hampton Saturday. 
yesterday, but their big news, the most no-brainer move of all time, uh, dedicating C. Vivian Stringer Court uh, for the Rutgers women's basketball team there after their legendary coach, of course. Yeah, just real quickly on those two things, Lauren Park Lane, Seton Hall point guard, I think is, is probably the best uh, overall like college basketball player in New Jersey as far as you know, within their within either realm uh, in women's basketball, she is she is dynamite. Thirty one points, seven assists, one turnover against Marquette. Pride of uh, Delaware, and uh, you know Seton Hall is a live one in, in the Big East in women's basketball. For Rutgers, good for them. Uh, C. Vivian Stringer took them to two Final Fours to a championship game. Uh, a lot of NCAA tournament appearances. So it was an appropriate uh, naming of the court. I just want to add that I would like to see at some point Rutgers do something for Tom Young, who took the men's basketball team to the Final Four in, in, in uh, 1976, who never had a losing season in 14 years there. Uh, it, you know, not saying they got to name the court after him, but it'd be nice to see them do something, find a way to, to honor Tom Young, who died uh, earlier this year, and you know, really was the was the guy set the bar for Rutgers basketball. But yes, uh, some exciting doings for for women's basketball in New Jersey as well. And, you know, we're off to a run and start here, right, fellas? Absolutely. I mean, what a great episode. Uh, again, thanks to John Fanta for stopping by. And, uh, of course, the the marquee matchup this week, Rutgers-Seton Hall. But as you hear uh, from us, up and down the roster here in New Jersey, of all these teams, a lot of excitement, a lot of potential, uh, plenty of teams that I'm sure we'll be keeping an eye on throughout the season. And we're just getting started here. Of course, go to app.com, northjersey.com, mycentraljersey.com to read Jerry and Steve and Chris's reporting on all the college basketball happenings in the Garden State. We're going to have a couple more episodes here in 2022. We'll be back Monday to recap uh, the rivalry game. We'll be back the week after that as well. We'll take a little holiday break, and then we'll be coming to you every Monday throughout the college basketball season. We will bring you right through March Madness to the end of the season so be sure to tune in every monday as we break down all of the games everything happening not just final scores and previews but any breaking news recruiting anything like that that pops up we will be talking about it right here on jersey jump shot we are off and running in our fourth season thank you so much for listening again thanks to john for stopping by the show thanks to jerry and steve for lending their knowledge thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of jersey jump shot we'll talk to you then Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.